Alphabet Flight Encyclopedic Marvel Journey, where I go through the official handbook of the Marvel Universe with a guest. We talk about all the characters we know and love and have forgotten as well. My name is Jesse Cooper, and with me today is Sean. Hey, thanks for having me back. Oh, by the way, this is the Sean that I do the uh, uh, the Alpha Flight episodes with. <laughs> if- <laughs> I'm clearly not Canadian. <laughs> I'm much too mean to be Canadian. So today we're going to talk about someone who was born with a silver spoon oh. in his mouth. <laughs> Silvermane. Oh, Silvermane. Yeah. So what do you know about Silvermane? So <laughs> I have one very specific memory of Silvermane, which is in the 80s, there was a, a side Spider-Man book called Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. Written, which is currently running, and it's really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, they brought it back, and uh, it, it in the eighties, it was primarily written. It was different writers. Roger Stern wrote a bit, and then he went over to Amazing Spider-Man for one of the great Spider-Man runs of all time. But Bill Mantlo was the the writer primarily on it when I was reading it, and Al Milgram was the artist, and the very Al Milgram who would later do Secret Wars two, a, a book I cover on my podcast. And there is an entire arc with Silvermane where he's uh, the main bad guy. And he is fighting Spidey and Cloak and Dagger, and it's kind of Cloak and Dagger's really their first. There, it's it's it, the second arc with them. It's after they've been introduced, but um, they're looking for Dagger to sort of renew him with her daggers to renew his life energy, and and it's a, it's an interesting story. He's basically a Magia boss. He's a Mafia boss, but he's an old man who's he's completely in a cybernetic body, so it's like. The T one thousand, it's like it's like you know this, the world's scariest sort of Terminator with your grandpa's face. So like it, it's he's a really weird villain. I remember him vividly from that. And then in modern times, and I, I'm sure you have the same memory, most famously from uh, the uh, Superior Foes of Spider Man, where there was a, a belief amongst the criminal community that anybody who had the head of Silvermane, because he was decapitated at some point. Anybody who had the head of Silvermane, I, I don't remember if they would get a wish or they would get powers. There was some sort of myth behind it. And they, the superior foes of Spider-Man, the, the, the world's worst Sinister Six, they get the head at one point and then just through fumbling, bumbling, fun misadventures lose it. And there's just the best visual of all time is at one point the head of, of Silvermane is on a skateboard rolling down the street and they're chasing after it. And it's just beautiful. And it's mostly the shocker mostly yes. has it, and it's whenever he's turning against his uh, fellow teammates because they're tired of him, them making fun of him. Yeah, that that if I cannot recommend that book highly enough, and I know Nick Spencer gets a a bit of a bum rap because, and deservedly on some level, because of um, because there's a big baby about people not liking yeah, Nazi Cap. Effectively, yeah, yes, actually, secret secret empire. Um, though, if you read other Nick Spencer works, they're really good. He did a fun, like, Jimmy Olsen backup when he first hit DC. But the Superior Foes of Spider-Man with art by, I think it's Steve Lieber. It is such a good, it's such a good book. And it's just, it's the best thing he's ever done. And it's actually one of my favorite books of the last 10 years. I would highly recommend it. And Silvermane's head is a major MacGuffin in the book. <laughs> so, Silvermane, his real name is Silvio Manfredi. Are you trying not to laugh? Are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, just a really moggy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But his man. name might as well be like Mabia Basia. Like it. I mean, there's no subtlety there. 
Yeah, um, he's a criminal organizer slash mastermind. Um, his identity is publicly known. He's a former uh, citizen of Italy, now naturalized uh, citizen of the United States with a criminal record, but legally dead. <laughs> um, that's why uh, he's actually a former naturalized <laughs> citizen, technically. His former alias is Supreme Hydra. Because, yeah, of course. He was born somewhere in Sicily, of course. And he's a widower. He had a wife named uh, Katrina. His son, which is uh, Joseph, also known as Joe Silvermane, and Blackwing. Well, we will talk about Blackwing a little bit at the end because he does not get his own. No, he entry. does not get his own. Uh, like Batrock. Yeah, he has no entry. <laughs> yeah, like Batrock. Although I don't, I don't have my cockles <laughs> raised uh, because of that one, and um. He's the former. He's the former leader of the Manfredi Silvermane fam, or the Silvermane family of the Magia, and the former Supreme Hydra of the major U- uh, U.S.-based Hydra fragment. So Nazi sympathizer, uh, and he first showed up in the Amazing Spider-Man number seventy-three in nineteen sixty-nine. The web closes. And uh, it's it's just a. I'm gonna send you a picture. Of the I cover. didn't think he was that old. I didn't know it he looks, appeared that far back. That's actually pretty interesting. I thought he was a. Well, he probably he probably appeared as the the manga oh, that's leader. True. But but like basically describe the cover because like the other ones weren't like super memorable. But this one has Mount, a man a man Mountain awesome. Marco. Who is awesome, and it looks like he's basically just bullying Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> like it looks like he's beating him up for his lunch money, which is cool. You know, that's Spidey's pretty used to that. Yeah, but but like, but I one one thing I want to point out, a thing I've also pointed out during the Shocker episode we done fairly recently, I think last week, actually, um, when it Spider-Man has the strength of mm-hmm. about ten tons. When you put 10 tons behind a fist, you can probably punch through most people's body. Why isn't he just destroying this dude's leg yeah. right now? <laughs> to get out. It's not lethal. It can get fixed. <laughs> and he could not be look like he's getting bullied like a like a 10-year-old by like the by like the upperclassmen of his middle school. This is back in the day, though, where anybody could push Spidey around. I mean, there's some funny issues in the 60s and 70s where the Kingpin just full on, you know, goes toe to toe with him in, in fisticuffs. And it's like, yeah, Kingpin's big and muscular, but he, he's not Spider-Man. No, like like Spider-Man, which is a thing that I like that they showed in Civil War, the, the movie. Um, when, because like, when like, because like they, because up to that point, anytime you've seen Winter Soldier, like you know, if you punched, if you got punched by him, like you uh-huh. got pretty much got knocked out or like wind knocked out of you, and Spider Man just catches it and like moves it around, like this is pretty <laughs> cool and stuff. And it just like, and it's one of the first times I think they actually showed yeah. that he was super strong without trying. And they show that more in Homecoming. And I'm just glad that they show that Spider Man is super strong because it seems to mm-hmm. be a thing people forget. 
Well, I think writers, and depending on what they need for the story, I, right? It's it's Spidey. I mean, look at the old Spidey villains, the Enforcers, right? Like the you know they just, Moose was just a big guy and. Dapper Dan or whatever his name was had a had a rope. <laughs> I mean, it was like Fancy Dan or whatever his name is. Like those guys should not have been able to stand up to Spider Man, no matter what. I mean, they're just brawlers. They're barroom brawlers. And but you know, back in the in the sixties, they you know they kept him pretty low powered. And then you know he got ramped up as everybody does. I mean, look at Luke Cage was maybe what could lift like a one ton or two tons back in the old days, and now is you know goes toe to toe with the thing. Yeah, but Spidey, you know his powers get ramped up. But I like when they, when they remember that he's very powerful and, you know, cause it makes his villains more interesting too. Cause it's, you know. Well, cause he also has a lot of like, uh, cause most of, most of Spider-Man's villains are either on their way to godhood mm-hmm. or just very, very strong. Or like, they're so smart yeah. that they can become almost gods through technology, um, which he has a lot of very powerful enemies. Also, a lot of weak, like his Z-listers, though, are incredibly weak. But, but one of the things that they pointed out in the, um, one of the things that they pointed out in the Shocker uh, entry, which I came out of that episode <laughs> loving the Shocker even more. Because they, they went over, like, probably, like, about, I think at this point, mm-hmm. like, probably, like, 15 years or so. And he didn't lose confidence in, him, in himself until Eggman recruit Egghead recruited him in yeah. his Masters of Evil, and he got defeated. Like he did not <laughs> lose confidence in himself at all. Even though every single time he goes up against Spider Man, he's just like thwip thwip. Okay, we're done. And then, and then well, he, I mean, he becomes goes to jail. And as, over time, he becomes the the villain the hero fights in the first couple pages and defeats quickly. To start the whatever the real story is in motion, but I like the fact that writers have acknowledged that. Like to to go back, Nick Spencer's Superior Foes of Spider Man series, Shocker is kind of dwell, you know, is really diving into his depression and his loser dumb, and then is trying to pull himself out again, literally with the head of Silvermane. And they've played on that pretty in a pretty interesting way. In fact, in a recent, if you read the Miss Marvel comic, the yeah, Kamala Khan. Um, the, oh, in no, a recent have, arc, yeah. he heads over to Jersey City. And he's like, well, I'm just going to start doing crimes over here because there are no heroes here. And she's like, and she fights him and beats him. But he's like, man, I-, I can't get a break. No, here's the thing. It's clobbering time. Uh, not, not, sorry. Uh, not that thing. But, uh, <laughs> but I think what some villains need to do, just move to the Midwest. Yeah, exactly. That's all you need to do. Yeah, you'll get a criminal empire. Spider Man's not going to go across the country. Mm-hmm. Get you. The most you probably have to worry about if you're, you know, close to like Michigan and stuff like that is is the Great Lake Avengers. Um, who are awesome. <laughs> you are awesome, but also and besides like Bertha, Big Bertha, like yeah, they're pretty incompetent. Pretty incompetent, but like like in the Agent Venom run, like he moved to Philadelphia and he instantly became a celebrity because it was like one of the only superheroes mm-hmm. there um so like just move to another place move to the midwest yeah move to like like move to nebraska yeah yeah be the kingpin of omaha <laughs> like, be, be like you know what there is wealth concentrated there oh yeah you can still get stuff yeah i've never understood like, it either and like you know maybe maybe you can be the the reason why like a young mutant or inhuman or like genius or someone who stepped into a vat of science juice 
becomes a superhero there and we can get a superhero from like Nebraska. Yeah, you can be the impetus for the the creation of Cornhusker. <laughs> yeah, like like yeah, that would be pretty cool. Why don't you do that? Shocker probably do pretty good in Nebraska. I do like the idea of big fish in a small pond, you know. And, and I mean, and yeah, some some villains definitely go that route, which is interesting. And so so I mean, Silvermane the thing I think is interesting about him as a villain is I liked when Spidey fought kind of mafia type, you know, real world type villains like Hammerhead or Kingpin with a little bit of a comic book, you know, four color spin on it. And Silvermane always felt like Crystal Pepsi Kingpin. Like he was just the, like, you know, second rate, wasn't good enough, but he but he had some interesting stories and the fact that he again, he was a little old man in a in a metallic body that could, you know, wreak havoc was also a cool contrasting visual of like you know, the, we think of the elderly as weaker, we think of the elderly as feeble, and yet Silvermane will, you know, punch a hole through your chest. So I always thought that was cool. I mean, I thought he was a cool spice, you know, to the Spidey mix. I mean, he's not a guy I need a 12-part maxi-series on, but I didn't, you know, but I think it's pretty cool when he shows up. Well, let's actually talk about his history, because okay. we got off on a tangent. <laughs> as a young boy, Silvio Manfredi immigrated to the United States with his family, who settled in the Little Italy section of of manhattan i was thinking of the uh i forget what what the show was called but the john h benjamin show uh archer no no it was live oh. action and um it was it was basically like a mockumentary style where he, he was going like meeting like interesting people but it was always like weird but they had a little little italy <laughs> thing <laughs> which which was a little Italy inside of a uh, uh, Italian restaurant. <laughs> That's awesome. But he became involved with the Magia while still while still in his teens. Um, when he was an adult, he quickly rose to the to become a head of his Magia family through a combination of cunning and superb hand to hand combat. Um, through bro- through his brilliant strategy and ruthlessness in gang wars, he greatly increased the power of his influence in the Magia uh, as the whole. He was sent to prison for tax evasion, because of course. And during his term, his his fa- his uh the Manfredi family waned somewhat, and his uh his rivals within the family gained dominance within. On his on on the release from his prison from prison over thirty years ago, he formed an alliance with a much younger Magia criminal Dominic Tyrone, and uh, often through bloody means, both of them took control of the family and Manfred that Manfredi uh, belonged to, and established it through battles. Established it as a established more power through battles with rival gangs. And other dom and the other dominant uh, criminal organizations. So so far, fairly normal. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can see this almost every like you know. Yeah, it's the Godfather. It's the Godfather. It's basically any like good like mafia movie. Yeah, and now it's going to become the Terminator. <laughs> so once he reached a point of success twenty years ago, he ordered Tyrone's death. But Tyrone, unknowns to him, uh, survived and would later avenge himself. And uh, Manfredi's hair turned permanently silver back in his 40s. And hence, he, since his comeback, he was known as Silvermane. Which is cheesy. I mean, it's funny. It's one of those names I've only ever read and I've never said aloud. 
And I have, you know, like I have a couple silver main stories that I really enjoy. But when I think about like staring another man in the eyes, like a grown man and being remembered, like, excuse me, silver main. It just sounds a little like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like holding somebody Goldilocks or like, you know, Auburn waves or something. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird supervillain name. Or going up to someone saying, hey, shocker. Yeah, yeah, shocker has its own connotations. <laughs> yeah, no, like, also, he doesn't have, like... Flowing silver hair? No, I was saying the shocker. He doesn't have, like, electric power. So, oh, there's like, that, too. But, yeah. but if you're going to call a guy Silvermane, he should have flowing silver hair. Like, he should look like Silver Sable, and he doesn't. He's, you know, he's just a... Oh, speaking of Silver Saber, I'm, Sable, I might be talking about a certain Silver Sable <laughs> next week. Cool, see? Look at that. That's a cross promotion. <laughs> recently. Uh well by recently I mean at this time of comics, so eighty seven. He was involved heavily in the importation and distribution of illegal drugs, including narcotics. And uh as but as he grew older, uh, he became increasingly concerned with ways to stave off his impending death. And he learned of an ancient clay tablet that contained the formula of an a mystical rejuvenation serum. And at the age of 80, in very frail health, Silvermane secured the tablet and forced Dr. Kurt Connors to prepare the serum in the instructions. Doing so, he first crossed paths with the costume adventurer, Spider-Man. I can hear you saying it without the hyphen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Silvermane drank the serum, and he grew increasingly younger within a very brief time, until he reached the point before the age of birth. And then it mystically caused him to age within the moments he reached his early 40s. So, he turned into a zygote, and then he was just like, no! That's what, exactly what I thought, too! I was like, does he become an unfertilized egg? Like, what is he... Like, what? What does he look like in that moment? Like, wait, <laughs> he would just be a zygote. <laughs> yeah, because I... you need two bits to make a zygote into a person. Well, that's what I thought. I was like, how far back does it go? Is it all of a sudden there's there's Silverman and then there's just a sperm and an egg on the ground? <laughs> like, <what? laughs> like, 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 and how would you even see that? Yeah. But then, like, then, but then he would just age back into forty. Like rapidly. Yeah, and it was so random. And and is is he doing this like I don't know, is it just in front of people? Like are they watching his body devolve and revolve? See, it feel I, I, I like Magneto's um de aging a little bit more when when like an where like an internal just shows up and be like, Nope, you're babies now. Yeah. And then he gets magically aged up. And I like that in the, in that image more. he's a baby with white hair. <laughs> Because like, that's not disturbing at all. <laughs> so he's 40 years old. He's spry. He's a spry 40-year-old man. And by coincidence, on the same day, he was approached by representatives of the American-based fragment of Hydra, a.k.a. Nazi science organization, that survived through the deaths of most of the organization of Hydra Island. Which we might talk a little bit about later, before, before we get to the Book of the Dead. Um, this fragment was the biggest in America. It was now under control of the former members of the corporation. That's corporation with capital <laughs> C. And when you try to look up information about them, uh, they're just a criminal organization that runs corporations. Go. 
AKA corporations. <laughs> um, and they wanted, so they intended to make this Hydra less sexist and ideological and, and, uh, ideological than the first one. So they wanted to make a, a more hip, <laughs> a more Hydra, evolved. a more hip Nazi scientist. <laughs> organization i love i want to be in that meeting where they're like we need to rebrand like we need to invite more you know people in more voices to the table they're like but we're still nazis right oh yeah 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 we're still nazis <laughs> like like so yeah 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 only only the ones yeah, that exactly. look like us we need more diversity let's get some strawberry blondes in here and let's get some like what let's get some dirty blondes and let's get some it's just ridiculous we'll even allow people with hazel eyes maybe we'll let some of the slavs <laughs> in we'll there let some go. of the slavs in the Irish are becoming oh. people at this point, right? <laughs> These are the moments of Marvel history we never get to see. Yeah. And they wanted to run it more like a business. Um, so Silvermane became Supreme Hydra. And he accepted, he accepted, although he insisted on maintaining his position with his Magia family as well. He did keep his organization separate from the Magia because even... Because even mobsters, I mean, even mobsters hate <laughs> Nazis. Eventually, used Hydra's power to crush his Magia rivals within and outside of his family. That is which really is smart. pretty smart, actually. You know, pit the pit the Nazis against the uh, yeah. organized. Either crime. way, he's going to win. Um, he quickly he quickly built his American-based Hydra into a large, well-organized, and well-equipped fighting force. And then he brought in his son, Joseph Manf- Manfredi, and other Magia members into Hydra. And, um, he- and Joseph used uh, advanced Hydra technology in areas of anti-gravity, artificial psionics, and genetic, uh, genetic manipulating to create a costume identity of the Blackwing for himself. Um, but Silvermane was ultimately out of his depth with when learning Hydra, and it was equally, and it was easily defeated by Nick Fury and Shield. Um, the Hydra hierarchy deposed Silvermane, but due to his Magia connections, he didn't, but did not assass- assassinate him for failing, because they didn't want to basically bring in like another large force of people yeah. that he is actually good at. <laughs> ruling to go down on to basically take hydra down which i believe he probably could have yeah he's, he seems pretty competent yeah uh and he he began devoting his full time to running the Ma- uh, his magia family and joseph and joseph abandoned the blackwing identity and artificial powers uh to return with him um then he just dis- uh later uh, he decided to organize all of New York's major, New York City's major independent criminals, gang crim- criminal gangs, under the leadership of his Magia family. Uh, but he was opposed by uh, in this scheme by the third Green Goblin, and uh, who wanted to control the gangs himself. And we're going to be talking about Green Goblin in the Book of the Dead because at this point he's dead. If if only. It had stayed that way. <laughs> if only. I I have a lot of weird feelings about the Red Goblin thing yeah. that's going on right now that hasn't been really touched on since yeah. it happened. 
I don't think it's going to be. I think that's going to be one of those, um, unless Dan Slott goes back back and revisits it someday, that people are just going to, Norm Osborne will pop up again someday and we'll all pretend it never happened. Because uh, it was one of those things where they killed off Flash Thompson. Yeah. <sighs> Though the current Venom book looks like it's paving the road to bring him back. They visit his grave. Yeah, but they, they, they're, they're arguing that his personality has survived in the symbiote. So there's definitely a door, maybe not a jar, but there's a cre- crease of light coming through. There's a crease of light, and I guess someone could bring him back. They'd have to get rid of the awful Eddie Brock first. Maybe they can have him subsume Eddie Brock. And- <laughs> <laughs> In a confrontation with Silver, uh, involving Silvermane, the third Green Goblin and uh, and Spider Man ensued, during which Silvermane fell from a great height. In both power and physically. Nice. Yeah. And he miraculously somehow recovered, uh, perhaps aided by the long-lasting effects of the rejuvenation serum, which a uh, good reach back, I guess. Yeah, it's a nice callback. Because you could have just killed him off. It's a good callback. Domin- uh, so Dominic Tyrone, who assumed the costume identity of the rapier, who I may or may not be talking about, I think I will be talking about him, made an attempt on Silvermane's life. But he survived the gunshot wounds. He survived. Wait. The rapier did not stab him with the rapier. Well, that's just off-brand. I mean, that's just that's, that's bad marketing. Yeah. Well, uh, he received. So he he survived the gunshot wounds, but they were aggravating, did not completely heal internal energies that resulted from when he fell earlier. So he was confined to a bed and put on life support. But, uh, but however, the shock of these severe injuries triggered a biochemical reaction in Silvermane's bloodstream that undid the effects of the rejuvenation serum, which reverted him to being physically 80 years old. Yeah. Physically. But he was still so powerful of a figure in the organized crime, an organized crime that he was able to continue running his criminal uh, empire, even though he was bedridden. So then, uh, Cloak and Dagger. Uh, despised uh, Silvermane for his role in the illegal drug trade, and Dagger nearly clear killed Silver uh, Silvermane, but his life was saved uh, when his brain and much of his head and most of his vital organs were transplanted into a robotic body. <laughs> <laughs> now a cyborg, he's just like, "I'm going to kill you, yeah. Cloak and Dagger," and uh, but then again, clashed with Spider Man. Dagger used her powers to short circuit his uh, circuits with her night light with her night knives, and deprived him of most of his life force. Um, she absorbed his life force in her uh, in her own form, and or in her own body in the form of what she calls light, which is basically like life force. And uh, he was left clinically dead, but he is a cyborg. So now he goes by robot rules, <laughs> and uh, he's magic and can never be killed and will yep. always be around. <laughs> yeah, basically he fought like Kingpin and well, actually Kingpin actually brought him back with his scientist and intended to use the powerful cyborg as a mean of assassination. Uh, Silvermane didn't. Silvermane uh, did not receive would 
not regain full consciousness. So he would obey instructions nearly mindlessly, but then he had a psychic link to Dagger who still retained his uh, missing life force and resisted his commands and then drained, somehow drained her life force into himself and then uh, Dagger to stop the rampage returned his life force. He's just a uh, guy who goes around uh, with an old man's face and yeah. a robot body. He's pretty creepy. He's, he's an interesting visual. I have to tell you, I read those those Peter Parker issues as they were coming out, and those are probably my favorite Cloak and Dagger stories. They're they're because they're not so focused on drugs and you know. I mean, I'm I, I, okay. I'm I know I've said this before, but like. I'm not like pro drug dealer or anything, but I'm also like, you know, drugs are tend to be okay if you use them moderately. Yeah, yeah. And Cloak and Dagger in the 80s didn't have that nuance. No, they didn't <laughs> they didn't have nuance and also they got a little after school special a lot of times. I still yeah. love them, don't get me wrong. I still love them. But the 80s was not kind to Cloak no. and Dagger. And so was most of their run <laughs> not kind to them. Because they were turned into mutants very briefly, and then turned back into not mutants. Because yeah. they thought, because Marvel thought, like, hey, you know, right now our biggest book, our flagship title is X Men. So, like, let's make them popular by turning them into mutants, and that mm-hmm. didn't happen. And you know, it's just like they they finally have an ongoing. I don't necessarily like their ongoing right now, but they mm-hmm. may have a better better storyline later. I think they are, for me, they are much more interesting in supporting roles as guest stars than they are. Like, I don't know that I'm going to buy an ongoing Cloak and Dagger book. I don't know that I have that much interest in them. But I love their guest starring, their little stint in the New Mutants in the 80s. And I loved their stint in Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man. And, uh, you know, in the, in the 2000s, in the Utopia X crossover, you know, they were part of the Dark X-Men. And I thought that was really cool. And uh, so yeah, I, I just for me they're they're much more interesting as part of a larger someone else's larger story. I don't know that I need them on their own. But then again, I you know I'm not, I, I I hated them in the '80s because they were super heavy handed. But I haven't watched the TV show and I've heard some good things about the it. You know, TV show's real good. Is it? Um, it does a thing that I think the Runaway shows did, and they didn't really have them use actually use their powers until kind of later on. Mm-hmm. But they but the but they build up the characters so well, I stopped caring. Oh, that's it. cool. Um, which the second season of Runaways is going to be out probably the first or second ish episode is going to be coming out when this comes out. Oh, cool. So, in fact, one of these episodes are going to be the New Year's Eve episode. I oh, think. wow. <laughs> uh, well, and I just forgot because I did the Christmas episode last week. So, that was the first issue episode we did. New Year's Day. Where you're starting out the new year. Well, that's I, I apologize for for starting off your new year on a low. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so um, he is. I'm just going to refer to him as uh, the cyborg because that's what he is now. Sure. Um, he's seven foot tall. The cyborg weighs four hundred and forty pounds. Feel like he needs to lose a little bit of weight so he can be nice. Uh, <laughs> has uh, blue hair. He's bald as a cyborg. Um, he can lift about fifteen tons. So a bit stronger than Spider-Man, but Spider-Man could probably punch his knees out real easily. Mm-hmm. 
Um, or Spider-Man can forget to pers- pick, pick, fix, uh, pick his prescription up at the pharmacy and take him out. <laughs> he's a robot. He's an old man he robot. robot thing. He's an old mm-hmm. man robot, so he's bas- basically magic, except for his vital organs, which are the organs of an old man. So they're yeah. quite vulnerable. Well, and it's so gross, the idea that the cyborg, like, it's one thing if he's a fully robotic body with a human head. I mean, I guess that's one thing. But the idea that he's a cyborg and has his old man internal organs floating around in the in the robot parts just makes it grosser. I don't know why. I don't know why. He grosses me out when and I think his, about it that way. His heart, his heart's kind of like front and center. I'd feel like I'd want to put all that stuff in like a, like an adamantium box. Yeah. Or even move it. Like if you know, look, if your heart doesn't have to be where it normally is in your body, like put it somewhere else so it's not an easy target. <laughs> yeah. Or get a pacemaker. Something. Yeah. Like Dick Dick Cheney doesn't have a heart. <laughs> well that but he's still alive. <laughs> that's that's a whole different issue. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I think someone pointed out someone pointed out that uh that if you were to if you were to uh see if Dick Cheney had a heart, you wouldn't be able to fill a heartbeat. Oh yeah. <laughs> just like yep just like before so, yeah exactly i don't know i don't know that that's ever changed in his lifetime <laughs> yeah that's a weird thing we haven't we haven't brought up the uh we've been had so much evil we haven't actually brought up the actual lethal of the bush <laughs> bush uh uh administration yeah. but uh we're not talking about that today we're pretty much done Talking about a different so, evil old man yeah <laughs> yeah so i have a feeling dick Cheney, if he could, he would still remain himself. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a cyborg Dick Cheney in the year, like, 2520. <laughs> Just going around. He's going to live to be, like, 120 and then uh, then put himself in a robot body. I can see it. There you go. Because hate, hate preserves you. <laughs> hate and cocaine. Apparently, if you only do cocaine, you also live for a very long time. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's it's so, almost the new year, so there's our new our, our new diet. Yep, yep. Become become a bitter, racist old uh, old white man and only do cocaine when you do drugs. We'll live off of hate <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> yep. So, so um, I'm pretty much done. So, uh, is there anything else you want to say about Silvermane? No, just a, I, I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. Uh, the the best Silvermane stories are those Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man stories, like the late. It's like the 80s and 90s. Uh, the issues eighty like eighty to like ninety five, and then just do yourself a favor and check out Superior Foes of Spider Man from about probably seven years ago at this point. Uh, by yeah. yeah, Nick Spencer and St- I keep saying Steve Lieber, but I don't know. If I I think that I think it is Steve Lieber, but it is a hilarious, just unbelievably funny look at the criminal underworld and what what a group of inept criminals can do, and it stars the head of Silverman. Which which uh, that which is why I want like the upper uh, upper business management version of that oh, yeah. story. Yeah, me too. So it'd be kind of fun to see this corporate espionage of the power broker being like, I gave this person specific powers to be invisible, but turns out they could only be invisible when no one's looking <laughs> <laughs> or something. You know, you can have a Dr. Carl Malice in there, like, and him being like a mad scientist and like the power broker needing to like pull him back a little bit, but like, yo, calm down. <laughs> and you can be worried about pre existing conditions. To- <laughs> yeah, like, for real. Like, I think it would be pretty good. So, Marvel, let me pitch this story to you and make one of your writers. <laughs> it would do be it. awesome. 
but but yeah uh let's do plugs all right so uh again i'm sean and i'm the co-host of marvel superhero secret wars and beyond on the pulp to pixel podcast network we cover every issue of marvel superhero secret wars we've covered all of volume one which is gorgeous we are almost done volume two which is the less is the jan brady of the marvel superhero secret Wars series and then we're going to jump into the jonathan hickman isad ribic run from about 10 years ago which is phenomenal and uh, yeah, we have some other fun shows, Dial G for Gamer, which is a superhero gaming show, and Welcome to Astro City, which covers Kurt Busiek and Brent Anderson's seminal book, Astro City. Okay. My name is Jesse. I have a podcast called Creepy Critters, where I talk about cryptids. I also have a, an Instagram for both my cat, Dexter, at Marvelous Mooch, and for the podcast uh, at Alphabet Flight on Instagram. And uh, if you'd like to see the pictures of the people we're talking about, you can see it on the Instagram, as well as the Twitter at Alphabet Flight, or the Facebook group, the HodgePod group on Facebook. Um, besides that, this has been Alphabet Flight, and may Madcap show you how truly meaningless life is. Good night. Good night.